0: Hey, welcome to the Afikra Podcast. My name is Mikey Mahendam. On today's episode, we have another edition of our Outline series, in which we talk to writer, artist, and photographer, Lara Atallah. We talk about her book, The Sun That Stood Still, which is currently in process. So it gives us a good opportunity to understand what it's like to build something as it's going on. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Thank you to the many people around the world who make this work possible by supporting us. If you'd like to join those people, go to afikra.com slash support. Hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome, everybody. My name is Mikey Menna. This is another episode of our outline series. It is my honor to introduce our special guest, Lara Atalla is a New York based artist and writer. Her practice is informed by her interest in the political nature of landscape and the power it holds to reshape our perception of borders. Her work has been exhibited in the US and internationally and is part of, an, uh, of the Onassis Cultural Foundation's collection in Athens, as well as the NYU Langoni uh, Art Collection. Recent exhibitions include the American Museum, uh, American University Museum, Tressel Gallery on Canal. Uh, her first bit, book, Edge of Elysium, Volume 1, was published by Open Projects Press in September 2019. Her writing has appeared in Art Forum, Camera Aust- uh, Austria, Flash Art Italia, and the Brooklyn Rail, among others. Lara Atala, welcome to Africa.
1: Hi, Monkey. Uh, it's nice to be here.
0: <laughs> it is great to have you. So, you know, when we introduce people who are, you know, um, multi hyphenates, they do a lot of different things, a lot of different media. I guess before we get started, I have a question for you. How much do you cringe when I read your bio? Like, do you still feel like that actually describes you, or you're like, oh, this is, doesn't describe
1: me at all? And it's, it's always a very cringy moment where you're like, oh, why? <laughs> Uh, does it describe me? I mean it describes events from my life, yes, factually, but can a bio actually describe the entirety of a person? That's a, a very philosophical conversation that we can definitely have. Um I mean it's it's factually on point, but yes, definitely cringy.
0: <laughs> okay, because we are you are an artist and a, a writer, as I mentioned. Um, but insofar as this is one of our outline conversations, we are going to talk about one of the projects that I didn't mention yet. And it's because you're in the middle of writing it, completing it. And that is a project that is called The Sun That Stood Still. Mm-hmm. If you would, tell us a little bit about what this project is, who this person, who these people are on the screen, for those of you who can see the screen, and sort of where are you where you are in this project.
1: Um, so The Sun That Stood Still is a bit of a, I guess it's like an homage, you can say. It started when my grandmother passed away at the end of 2019, like around November 2019. And, you know, when you're dealing with the death of a loved one, uh, not much makes sense. It's a very abstract concept and you're trying to figure out how to navigate those feelings and how to go about it in your day to day life. And, um, you know, photographs is very much I mean, yes, I'm an artist and a writer, but photographs to me are a language in and of themselves. And they help me make sense of the world, whether it's making sense of things that are abstract or non-abstract. And so when when I went back to my grandmother's house for the first time since she passed, and that was like maybe three weeks after she passed away, so it was around it was around the winter solstice um, in December of 2019. And um, I, I I've just really I was intrigued by my reaction because all I cared about and all I wanted to do was grab photographs uh the furniture i borderline don't really care what happens to it and documents that house as i've always remembered it and photograph it because when it's all said and down done that's what mattered to me most just wanting to like record what's left of that experience to keep it alive for as long as i can if that makes any sense
0: no, it makes a lot of sense. When my grandmother died, it was like a deeply traumatic experience because we also lost the house, and I completely relate to this idea of like almost uh, feeling like sun, uh, sand is uh, dripping through your fingers, and you're just like, I can't, I can't hold on to these memories.
1: It's it's when you walk into that house and you realize that what made it what made it a home, the energy that made it such a profound you know uh deeply important space for you like the second this the person that's attached to it is gone the house literally turns into just walls like walls and windows and that's it and that was like a really um weird cognitive dissonance to experience right like this is not this is not the home that i grew up in practically this is just it's just a random house
0: yeah you know what you know when that experience for me is like uh is very profound or at, or at least is um unavoidable is when you remove frames off walls mm. and you see the the color behind the uh the paint behind the frame because in a way it's like a very revelatory experience like in fact you're actually seeing the true color yeah um and and all of a sudden you're like oh that's right i wasn't seeing this place for what it was uh, i was seeing for this like these layers of memories and um and implications about who I am and who I might be and who I might have might have been. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's let's uh, let's go through this questionnaire um, to see how the project started and uh, where we are now. I guess what were you doing before you started working on on the project?
1: Um, I basically I'm constantly working on a million different things because for some reason my, my brain can't just run on one lane. So I'm always operating on at least six of them um and at the time i was i was and I, I still am on some level working on like um these large canvases where i was doing multiple exposures of cyanotypes um and there were cyanotypes of different skies that I had photographed in different parts of the world and it was sort of fitting the framework that you introduced in the bio so you know my interest of like reflecting on how um photographs of landscapes inform how we perceive borders and sort of nullify them or at least trivialize them in a way and i think the whole um the whole point for me of doing the, that project is um, I, was, I was obsessed with finding out what happens when you layer cyanotypes of different skies from different, um, from different time zones, which in and of itself collapses this idea of photography as a record of, um, of a specific moment in time. And that was kind of what was happening mainly in the background when this thing happened.
0: The project started because of the the sort of a tragic event, Mm -hmm. but it's the most predictable tragic event right yeah and. Sadly, I mean this is how I this is how I felt about it when when uh, I went through something similar so i'm I'm curious when did you kind of we have another question of like when did the project actually start when did you actually start thinking about this at some point.
1: Um, I think it actually started literally the moment I walked inside that house, because I, you know, I didn't know what to expect and how I would react when I first walked in there, and um, I think it's very telling and revealing that my first instinct was, I don't, I don't care about any of that stuff. I just want, I just want the photos. So just tell me where the photos are, like where you filed them, and I'm just gonna go and sit. I'm going to sit over there and you guys do whatever the hell you want to do. Um, they were because, you know, they were kept in like old photo albums. Um, some of them I was definitely familiar with. Others were a surprise to me, a revelation. Some I had remembered seeing many years ago when we randomly dug through photo albums, but it wasn't, they, some of them were not photos that I would revisit like on a yearly basis when I would go back there. So they were kind of like, oh yeah, Interesting um so the the title the sun that stood still is actually um the same at the same time that this was happening um so like I said the first time I went back to that house was during the winter solstice on on that same day I found out that solstice like the the etymology of that word means the sun that stood still because that's the time of the year where the sun's you know day and night are of equal length and that's because like there's something about the motion of the sun where it sort of almost slows down a little bit something at that moment clicked with me where I'm like I'm looking at these photographs, I'm in that house for the first time in a long time, um, everything's different, the title just revealed itself at that moment.
0: So t- tell me about that snap. So what did you think that project was in that moment? You're like, oh, this makes sense. Like, what was, what what was it?
1: Um, I, it was just, um, it was really about trying to not not necessarily rationalize, but work through feelings regarding something that is profoundly abstract right like we talk about losing people all the time and we know that it's a part of life it's not like it's a surprise or anything but it doesn't change the fact that it is a very abstract notion like one minute they're there and the next they're not and you're never going to see them again it sucks like there's there's no sugar quoting this but when i was first confronted with that i just i needed to immediately rationalize it one way or another and this was the only way i know how because this is how i navigate the world anyway right like I navigate the world by taking pictures of stuff around me whether it's with my phone or whether it's it's with my camera I just it's how, it's just how I cope with things
0: I'm interested in this idea that like uh looking at photos that you hadn't seen before mm-hmm. um because in a way it's you're you're sort of actively changing your memory right
1: mm-hmm. you're
0: introducing new memories and mm-hmm. n- new data into your your memory of
1: somebody Maybe this is like a weird way to put it, but there's something a little dangerous about it because yeah. you, you're obviously you're obviously aware that whatever the photographs are showing you is a very specific framing of reality. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy to go on this whole myth building adventure where um, you're creating legends and stories that are that couldn't be more divorced from the reality. Um, but then i think because we know that this is unavoidable the, the real question becomes does it matter yeah um, and and that's something that I don't i don't really have an answer to i don't know if it matters or not that that those myths and those legends are not real likely or at least like if they are real it's they're they're highly overplayed or underplayed
0: um okay let's let's let me ask you this question um mm-hmm. are there any like unlisted co-founders and this question is a little odd but the idea is Every single project is is a remix of something, mm-hmm. is inspired by something. And so, like, mm-hmm. who are you kind of sampling and remixing in your approach to this?
1: Um, so, actually, one of the, the co-founders is is yeah. with us tonight, and Tanya CCC. Um She she definitely like she, she's someone whose work I respect a lot. Thanks for being here, Tanya. Um, and uh, she's she's one of the people who's influenced this project one way or another. And um, other people that I look to towards like these types of just like how I approach my practice in general, like there's, there's Ahmad and who's a filmmaker and um, his way of approaching processing tragic events. or tragic memories stylistically doesn't look like anything I do, but yeah. the ideas behind it and the way that he approaches impossible situations in life um, is something that I deeply relate to. And then other people, other people whose work I very much relate to are also like Busha Khadiri and Emily, Emily Jasser, But their work definitely speaks to me in a way that I know like it, it percolates.
0: As you worked on this from 2019 to now, what are some of the things that created friction that slowed you down before you really, I mean, you still haven't fully um, published the book, but as you've been working on it, what are some of the things that uh, created friction?
1: We, yeah. So the book is not launched or anywhere near that, yeah. but uh, what created fiction for me was just my 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 own way of dealing with grief. Right, like I first I, I started off wanting to rush into this and hand photographs and just get to work and let's just do it. And then I realized that that come February I was not ready to do this at all. Um, I was forcing myself to normalize something that I just wasn't ready for, and I realized that I just needed to give myself some time to just just be sad and live in that live with that abstraction and contend with it.
0: Yeah. So the last question before we get into the process of of writing itself, is this something that you had to do or is this something that just somebody had to do?
1: Oh, 100%, I had to do it. I yeah I def- definitely the, the last thing on my mind is anybody else here uh, just being very honest about this this is yeah. very much about about me being sad <laughs> like I have no moral qualms about this I'm uh this is like a uh therapy project whoever wants to join in is welcome whoever is not interested you don't have to look at it
0: who are some of the early believers uh, that shaped the project and sort of spurred it on if any?
1: Um, I think institutionally, I could say the Arab American National Museum, because I actually pitched this project earlier this year for their residency. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I got accepted. Like They granted me a residency, I think, was it in March or April? Uh, March or April, one of those two months. Yeah. And that helped a lot for me to just sit down and focus and give myself a time frame where I can, um, at the very least, set up a structure and start the writing process, which I had been super behind on. Um, and that was, that was really like a very important catalyst in this process. Yeah.
0: So is this a, is this a deeply, uh, is this a deeply, uh, traumatizing experience that we're talking about? Uh,
1: You know, uh, I don't know that it's deeply traumatizing, but there's definitely a part of me that's like, I hope I don't look back on this and think, I can't believe you just showed that work before it was done. Yeah. Um, yeah well
0: i, I I'm, I'm thankful that you're doing it I yeah. should I should give a, a big shout out to the Arab American National Museum because they are they're the folks who connected me to you so um, mm-hmm. this event would have been would not have been possible without their suggestion so I'm excited about that okay so if, if we were to think about this in sort of phases this is maybe a, a strange question to ask at this point uh, as a retrospective what are the sort of the phases of the evolution of this of this product? Uh, project
1: there's a moment you walk into the home and there's the moment i get back to new york and i'm like okay let's go let's get to work let's get to work let's get to work and then there's uh that moment in february it was it was before the lockdown but you can already tell what the weather was looking like um where i was where i was thinking i think i'm going too fast i'm not ready for this i need to stop and then after that, uh, a year later, the, the opportunity came up with the Arab American National Museum. I felt like I was in a better place to do this. So I just like dove right back in. And then as far as like timeline and goals, I mean, my, my goal is to obviously complete this project. Um, as far as having a timeline, don't really have one. Um, I just think it, it's going to take the time that it's going to take, whether it's it, I finish it, I wrap it up in a year, two or five, like, I'm not in a hurry. Personally, I just want it to be something that represents like the vision that I have for it and I want it to be a product that I feel gives me closure and maybe to others it can be relatable in different ways maybe it can help them get closure through other means in different regarding different aspects of this project
0: okay let's keep on going um This question, um, I'll read it verbatim, but then I'll actually try to explain what it means. Knowing what you know now, if you could have packed better for this trip, this camping trip, what are some of the things that you would have prepped for, prepped better for? Are there things that you're like, oh, I wish I had done this.
1: So when I first walked into the home, a lot of furniture had been moved around. And that really, really, really irritated me to like an almost nonsensical degree. Like I was really ready to shout at people. But... (laughs) I think that's the one thing that would have changed. I wish I could have seen that home the, the way that it had always been, as opposed to like post events. And that's the one thing that I would have changed. But otherwise, no, I wouldn't have changed anything else.
0: What were some of the critiques of the project that influenced your work, both internal and external critiques, maybe of, in that small that small circle?
1: I feel like no external critique measures up to my internal critiques.
0: <laughs> For real. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I think my my, my main, the main critique was um, should this should this uh, should this even exist? Um, is this something that should be um, that should become like public information? Um, am I am I manipulating somebody's memory? Am I being disrespectful? Is this dignifying or is this? Um, taking away from somebody's agency who can't speak for themselves. And that's something that I'm constantly going through uh, and I'm constantly working through.
0: Okay, let's keep going. So what have been some of your most instructive failures, both in, in uh, sort of, I guess in the process of writing this?
1: Oh, writing is a mess. It's such a complicated thing to write. I mean, the the, the photos are one thing, but like trying to come up with a text that complements and doesn't illustrate, um, writing that adds a story that is worthwhile. It's um, that is a that is a failure that I contend on on you know whenever I'm working on this, right? Like it's not not to say that every time I write is a failure, but like it's definitely the thing that's looming in the background, right? How do you make a text that? reinforces the photo, the photographs, but doesn't eclipse them, and adds a, a dimension to this work that the photos on their own could not add.
0: Um, this is a weird question in, in this type of thing uh, because it's so emotional, but I'll just read it as is, and then we'll sort of interpolate it. Um, how do you quantify achievement? What does success look like? What are you sort of proud of with this type of project?
1: I think the the success that I'm aiming for, the achievement that I'm aiming for is to s- start with a personal story and successfully branch it out to much bigger issues that are not so connected to that story. So like there was a slide earlier where I was showing like uh, newspaper clippings from like Greece sending refugee back and then De- Denmark doing whatever the hell fascist shit it did recently. Um, and I think what, what I want this end product to do is to, go back and tie it into the what what guides my work which is like constantly questioning what are the um, what what is what are what is the implication in participating in nation states and what is required in maintaining a border and what are the consequences of upholding people to irrational man-made borders We're, we're all we're all bearing the consequences of borders being reinforced and the violence that is required by all borders to be maintained. And I think the success of the project for me is to make sure that one of the main takeaways is that we started with a personal story, but we ended on a reflection that is much deeper than that and much more broad than that. And I think much more important than that, ultimately.
0: So what's next for you and this this project? What can people sort of look forward
1: to or um, well, hopefully I'm able to get my shit together and finish writing, <laughs> and then, and then uh, ultimately we'll, we'll have an actual physical book um, as to when that's going to happen, oh, no idea.
0: Great, so we have some time for some questions. Uh, Francesca, we'll start with you. Um, you can unmute yourself and turn on your video and ask your question.
1: Okay, so I had a quick question and that was basically, so I understand the project is still in process. And I was just wondering that, you know, your main subject is grief, but what message would you want the reader and viewer to take away from the book? I think it's more about the complexity of grief and like the, the, the greater things that grief connects to, because grief, I think, ultimately is a starting point. It's a starting point to like a whole Pandora's box of different emotions. And I think it's about normalizing, exploring these different types of emotions and being able to talk about it on a public platform or in a public manner as opposed to just pretending it's not there and carrying on with your life which I don't think is healthy. Um have you considered doing the writing in different languages? Uh no. <laughs> I I have not because um it just hasn't occurred to me. It I just it it's came together like that, it's probably going to continue like that. Um will this change down the down the line or in the future? I couldn't possibly tell you today, but I don't think it will, I'm not sure. Thank you, it was very interesting and good luck. Thank you, thank you for nice coming.
0: Cool. Um, OK, I think that's Yasmin. Yasmin, if you want to turn on your camera, um, you're already unmuted, you can go ahead.
2: I'm going to disappoint everybody. I'm not- oh, you're not Yasmeen. <laughs> no. <laughs> My name is Fouad. I had a question that I typed in the chat room, but I'm just going to elaborate, you, can, you guys can read the actual words that I wrote. I'm always interested in projects like this that start with a trauma experience or as a reaction to an event. Mm. And there's a decision taken in the moment to do something about it. And that's how the project starts. But as time passes, as our emotions evolve, and as we start recollecting events, including our emotions back then, the project itself is evolving into something reflective of how we are today. And that is itself evolving as time continues to pass. So I wonder when you look forward in time on how the end product is likely to look like, do you think it will be more reflective of the person you were and your state of mind back then, which you tried to freeze in time, just like the title of the book tries to imply? Or it is uh, part of the evolution of your feelings and your state of mind and how you are recollecting those past events, including your own feelings, taking into consideration how you are growing as a person and absorbing those feelings differently and rationalizing them with your personal growth.
1: It's important to honor every step of your process, whether like it's what you were like when you first started versus what you become as you work on it. And I think, and this is something that I struggle with every day, I try as much as I can to honor all of these versions of myself and to make that progression apparent. Um, I know it's like hard because the more you progress, arguably the better you become. And then you, you're you like finding this need to go back and like re-edit your past self. And I think my biggest challenge here is to try as much as I can not to edit that past self and to just leave it as it is and just carry it on as like a as like a linear progression. Does that make sense?
2: It does. I'm just wondering if you are monitoring, if you're honoring that rationale, or things slip out of hand <laughs> simply by doing it, and you end up with a different end product all of a sudden.
1: Ah, uh, that's a that's a very valid question. Um, I don't know. I'm trying. I'm trying to exercise caution in that realm. Like I'm trying to tread carefully between not modifying so much um, so that I'm recreating myself. And, and also uh, sticking true to becoming someone who may like ultimately change their tune or have different opinions because it's just life. Like we're always changing all the time.
0: Fair enough. Best of luck. Thanks so much. Okay, Lada. thanks so much. This was really, really fun. Um, if anyone's interested in connecting with Lara, you can look her up online. It's very easy to get in touch. And uh, she's on social media as well. I really, really look forward to being able to see the final product. I, I feel like <laughs> this is like eerily, eerily similar to how I feel. And so I'm, um, you're doing, you're doing my work for me, essentially.
1: <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about it. Um, it's, I, again, did one of those things where over the past few months, I haven't really touched the project. So it was nice to sort of be, Thrust back into having to deal with it and talk about it and kind of think of, out loud with you. Um, so thank you very much for this opportunity and it was it was really fun to chat with you and, and everybody else. <laughs> um,
0: I put a link into the chat uh, to give us feedback it takes a few seconds just a, a single question was this good. So you can click on that. Um, I will leave you. Uh, tomorrow we have a matbakh event uh, with Amar Sartawi. And then on saturday we have a community presentation event and um next week we have an event with uh, tanya Trebosi actually and tamara abdulhadi uh, Abdul um i'm blanking on her name it'll be our first double exposure event so tons of cool stuff going on so tune in and this will go up on our youtube page and our podcast in a couple of days Lala, thanks so much
1: thank you have a great day
0: hi everybody Hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you'd like to watch the full uncut version, go to youtube.com slash Afikra. There you can see the full video versions of these podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about what we do, go to afikra.com where you can learn about our Zoom events, our live events in 30 different chapters around the world, our social media presence, and our podcasts and YouTube stuff. You should know that everything we do is all towards a mission of converting passive interest in the histories and cultures of the Arab world into an active intellectual curiosity. By listening to this, you're a part of that movement, so thank you for being here. If you'd like to support our work, go to afikra.comslash support and join the hundreds of people around the world who make this work possible. Thanks.